You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're really going to hang. I need to do two quick things as you're turning there. Uh, real quick, I want to remind everybody that um, starting this Wednesday, we are going to have early morning prayer, the first Wednesday of every month through the, the rest of the year. And so that is from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. right here in the auditorium. We would love to have you come and join us for a little bit of time of worship, a little bit of devotion time, and then we spend a lot of time in prayer and just asking God to move in and through us and to do what only he can do as we do what only we can do. And so we want you to join us for that 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., the first Wednesday of every month uh, right here in the auditorium. Love for you to be with us this Wednesday as we get that kicked off. And then I need to celebrate a group of people, uh, some folks that went downtown Columbia yesterday. Uh, Radiate Church was, uh, when we started this church, we wanted to be a church not in the community, but of the community, which means we want to serve every chance that we get. We believe that saved people serve people, and so we want to serve people any chance that we get. And uh, I just think if you're living your life for Jesus, any opportunity you get to be selfless and give to others, we should probably jump all over that because of the love that Jesus has put uh, in our lives, and we get to share that. And yesterday, we had a group of people that went to downtown Columbia with one of our uh, corporate sponsors uh, that we give to each and every month through our tithe here at Radiate, uh, Convoy of Hope, and we joined with them and many other churches in downtown, and we gave away supplies and food and things to needy people in downtown Columbia, and I don't think there's anything better you could spend your day doing on a Saturday. If you got it available, I think that's what you should do. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. We believe in serving. Keep that in mind as You Matter Week is coming up at the end of October. You'll hear a lot more about that in the next coming weeks. So the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this idea, um, uh, this series. We've been in this series called Hope Dealers. Hope Dealers. Uh, don't get that confused. Um, Hope Dealers. And uh, the reason is, is because I believe that where we are in life, and, and part of it was birthed out of my own journey, um, as we walk through life, but there are so many people, and many of you are in the room today, that are just searching for hope. You need hope. There's so many people that just go, I just need some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's in marriage, right? Maybe it's, I, I know for me, I just get to the point where I'm like, quit telling me how I'm supposed to vote or else I'm not okay. Come on, y'all, let's be transparent for a minute. Like, Y'all acting way holier than me up in this room today, right? Or, or quit telling me what I'm supposed to believe and how I'm supposed to think and that what I do believe, if I believe in the Bible or if I believe something you don't, then your truth is greater than my truth and my truth is not the truth and all this other stuff. And the truth of the matter is, is there's only one truth and it's the word of God. And man, there's just this moment where you get so inundated with things, right? And it's just so much, and there's always an issue to work out and always drama and always, and there's this moment where I just sit down sometimes and I'm just like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Anybody with me in the, come on. And, and, and you're just like, yes, I, I swear if one more thing happens, I'm going to go berserk. I'm going to lose it. I ain't got much to lose, but what I do, I'm going to lose. And what we're searching for is hope. And as we're looking for hope, we'll, we'll look anywhere because we're just looking for, and, and here's what I'm saying by hope, right? You're just looking, because hope is not the absence of a hopeless situations. Hope is not the absence of hopeless situations. Hopeless is an inner peace and foundation that even when there's hopeless situations, there's something better. 
There's something greater. There's something stronger. And that's what we're looking for is just this thing on the inside of us that just we can lean on and just calm ourselves, you know? And we can just, just breathe. My oldest son plays travel ball. And when he gets worked up, y'all, he's like his daddy. He just gets worked up. When it don't go the way it's supposed to go, get out of the way. And here's what I've learned is go, just take a deep breath. You ever notice that when you take a deep breath, sometimes you just kind of calm yourself? Why? Because, because it just allows you to, to just recenter and just take a second. And, and here's what, what I mean when we're searching for hope. There's so many of us that are just looking to recenter, to get back to a place where we, and here's what I want you to know. Everybody else, everybody in the world will tell you it's found in money, it's found in job and positions, it's found in, in overindulgence of alcohol or drugs. It's found in, 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 in extramarital relationships. It's found in all these things. It's found online. It's found through social media. It's found through this. It's found through that. Can I tell you, all those things will fade. Because as we dig into those things, what's going to happen is they will no longer be enough. Because it's not real hope. It's what we talked about last week, which is counterfeit hope. It looks like the real thing, but it don't last. It don't have the substance. And there's only one hope in our lives that remains the same. And it's the only plant thing. It's the only person that ever walked the earth, carried what we carry, and did it in a perfect way, died on the cross to give us freedom and give us grace, to forgive us of our sins, and said, I did that so that you could have the hope of life and the hope of forgiveness and the hope of grace. And you don't have to search everywhere else in the world because I have become what you're searching for. And if you'll hide your life in my life, then now you have have what's called eternal hope in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, somebody in the room today that you're searching for hope and it's found in nothing more than the cross and the sacrifice and the love of a savior that gave everything for you. That's, that's where hope is found. That's the only place hope is found. And, and that's why I love baptism Sunday because we get to watch people go public with that today. That go, hey, I've already given my life to Jesus, but I'm going to symbolize to everybody watching, friends, family, neighbors, strangers, don't even matter. I'm going to symbolize that when I go in that water, before I go in that water, I'm one person. But when I come out, the Bible says I'm a new creation. And old things pass away and all things become new. And starting now, starting the moment I asked him to hide myself in him. I'm a new creation. I'm somebody different. And when we get the hope of Jesus, this is what you can title the message today. It's our responsibility to show and tell. I want to take you all the way back to middle elementary school for a minute. Anybody remember show and tell back in elementary school? Come on, somebody. The rest of you not raising your hand. Uh, let me jog your memory for a minute. Now, show and tell. I got a five-year-old. Uh, I got a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old now, which is crazy, and a um, five-year-old. And my five-year-old uh, started this, week, this year um, in kindergarten, and he has show and tell every Friday. And y'all, I don't ever know what this kid's going to wake up wanting to do, right? Like, I mean, some days he wakes up just wanting to create chaos, and some days he wants to play football, and some days he wants to be sweet. Y'all know five-year-olds. isn't So he loves show and tell, but there's one rule to show and tell. And that rule is it has to fit in your book bag. For some reason, my five-year-old, he can do addition and subtraction. He can tell you that. Like, he's a smart kid, but he cannot comprehend the idea that show and tell has to fit in your book bag. It is an abomination to him. 
then it has to fit in your book bag. He's got this uh, Star Wars staff. I don't even know why. He's never even watched Star Wars. He just wanted something to beat people up with. And that thing is as tall as I am. And he'll walk around, and a lot of some Fridays, he'll go, I want to take this. And I'm like, buddy, it's got to fit in your book bag. We go through this same, anybody else with me? Any parents that are like, yes. It's the same conversation. And I'm like, it doesn't fit in your book bag. And he'll go, yes, it does. Just put it in there and zip it around it. So you're going to walk around with like four, three feet of a staff hanging out of your book bag above your head. That, that, that's exactly what they meant there, bud. Uh, that's exactly. You know what I'm saying? So the other day, he loves show and tell. He loves like telling stories and he loves to be uh, dramatic. I don't have a clue where he gets that from. <laughs> and all this stuff, right? And so he loves taking it and showing stories. And, and so the other day, he wakes up on Thursday, and he, he has a football. And again, I never know exactly what he's going to be doing in the morning. So he's carrying this football around. And I'm like, what is, buddy, we got to go to school. He's like, this is for show and tell. I'm like, that's tomorrow. And he goes, I know. I'm going to take it in your car. We're going to play flag football in the back seat? I don't, okay, whatever, right? And he goes, I'm going to put it in the back seat of your car so I don't forget it tomorrow. Because I'm going to take, and I'm going to show all my friends my football. And we're going to play football. And I was like, you're not going to play football at school, but okay. And so he goes, and he puts it in my floorboard. And guess what he forgot on Friday? You know why I know he forgot it on Friday? Because it's still rolling around in the back seat of my car. All right. I don't know what he took Friday, but he took something. And here's how I know he took something. Because he loves show and tell. Why does he love show and tell? Because he likes taking his thing and going, hey, this is mine. Here's where I got it. My parents got it for me in this way and that way. And I got it from here. And this is why. And I love it. And I play with it this way. And then you know what I love about show and tell too? When he comes home, he's as excited about everybody else's show and tell as he is his. He's pumped about it. Do you know why? Because they're excited about it. And their excitement bleeds off on his excitement. Can I tell you something today? That if we've hidden our life in Christ... And his sacrifice and the perfection of his life has covered our life and the sinfulness of our life. It's time for us to go and show and tell. It's time for our excitement to come out and go, let me tell you about where I've been. I don't have it all together. I don't have it figured out. It's a messy journey. I mess up probably more than I get it right. But here, let me tell you about this man. And his name is Jesus. But if you want a name for short, let's call him Hope. And let me tell you about this man named Jesus that came into my life in a moment where I had hopeless situations and hopeless circumstances. And he saved my life through the grace of his love because he saw something in me that I didn't see in me. And now I want to show you my life through love and grace and forgiveness and tolerance and all these things and conversations and all this stuff. I want to show you his love while I tell you about his love. And, and I think we need more of that. I think we need more people that are showing love through patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That's just a few of the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. To where we're showing how good he is, and then we start telling people about our journey. I want to tell you about a hopeless situation in Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he gives the great commission where he says, go into all the world and uh, reach people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I command, and lo, I am with you even till the end of the age. We know that part. Like if you're in church, and especially if you've been here for a while, you know that portion of scripture, and if you don't, it's okay, but that's what Jesus tells his disciples and his followers, is to go and make a difference and reach people. 
But before he tells them that command and instruction, there's a hopeless situation that takes place at the beginning of Matthew chapter 28. And what happens is, is all these people, because Jesus would encounter people and he'd call them and he'd say, come and follow me. Leave your past and come and follow me. And they would do that. And they would go and they'd follow him and they'd give up everything they had and they'd go follow Jesus. And what was taking place was now after three and a half years of that and of ministry of Jesus, all of a sudden he was in, uh, unjustly tried They released a man named Barabbas that was a murderer so that they could put Jesus in prison. And Roman captivity and and imprisonment was no joke. It was usually torturous. And they'd take you on the verge of death and leave you there before they actually killed you. And that is exactly what was taking place with Jesus. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was tortured. All these things were taking place in Jesus' life. His followers had to be a part of the process of all of that as they marched him up the hill and he carried his own cross and he got to a place called Golgotha which means the the, the place of the skull and he gets there and they hang him on a cross as he suffocates to death in front of everybody with blood dripping down his body and pooling in the sand or the dirt below his feet they had to watch as the man that they put all their hope and joy and faith in was humiliated And then they had to watch as they pierced his side with a spear. And then they had to watch as he breathed his last and screamed, Tetelestai, it is finished. An earthquake takes place. They take him off the cross. They wrap him in burial clothes and they put him in a tomb that was borrowed. They roll a stone in front of the tomb and they put the Roman seal on this tomb, which means that now this is government property. And if you touch it, you will be put to death. All this is taking place. They bury him. He's done. Hope is over. It's finished. It's not going to happen anymore. So the women, they go back. The people that had given their lives, a group of women, go back. And they give. They start creating these uh, proper burial uh, gifts and scents and all this stuff. And they're going to his tomb, to his grave, to pay honor and homage to the man that he was. And as they get there, they see this moment where the tomb is rolled away and it is empty. And there is an angel sitting before them right there at the tomb. And this is what takes place in verses 6 through 10. I love this. It says, the angel is talking to the women and he says this, he is not here, for he has risen just as he said. He called his own shot. They said, where you've come looking for him, he is not here, which is a really, really big deal. Let's keep going. And it says, come and see the place where he was lying. In other words, come and see for yourself that he is not there. He says, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you in the Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse 8, and they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid Go and take word to my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. I love what is taking place in this story. That after three days, not just biblically and spiritually, but historically, if you go and look at the historical records of it, Jesus rose from the dead after three days. He did exactly what he said he was going to do, and the first thing an angel tells him is this, go and tell somebody. Go and tell somebody. Go and make a big deal about this. I don't know about you, but if somebody raised from the dead, it ought to be a pretty big deal, amen? It ought to be a big deal. 
Let me give you a couple thoughts. The first one is this. If we don't tell people who will. He looks at the, at the women. The angels look at the women and they go. He goes, listen, you've now seen something nobody else has seen. You've encountered a miraculous thing that nobody else that you will encounter has encountered. I want you to go and I want you to tell people what you've encountered. I want you to go tell people what's happening. Can I be real? There has to be a moment where we stop waiting on everybody else to do what we've been commanded to do. If your life is hidden in Christ, show and tell. Show his love and tell about it. Stop coming up with excuses. Everybody's busy. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me today. Or either I'm offending you one. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got things going on. Everybody's looking for hope. But if we found hope in Jesus Christ, show it and tell it. Because somebody hasn't encountered the same God you have. I love the story. It kind of reminds me in Acts chapter 8. There's an Ethiopian eunuch that is riding in a chariot. And he's by himself and he's hanging out uh, there and he's, he's, he's reading, it says, he's reading the words of the prophet Isaiah. And there's a man named Philip that is a, somewhere along the same region or area. He's not in the chariot. He's not, probably not even really on the same path, but he's got to be close enough that he can catch up or hear the chariot or what's going on. And I, and I love that he's reading the prophet Isaiah because the prophet Isaiah is really given a prophetic word about the Messiah and what the Messiah brings and who he is and the life-giving nature of the Messiah who we know as Jesus. But when it was written, they were still waiting on the Savior Messiah to come. And so this Ethiopian eunuch is reading this, and in Acts chapter 8, verses 29 through 31, it says this, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. We'll talk about that phrase in a moment. But verse 30 and 31, Philip ran up. He didn't walk. Let me explain what a run is for those of you that are like me that don't enjoy that. It means that you move your feet real fast at a quick pace and you run out of breath, Okay? what happens right it means you can't wait any longer you can't get there any faster you got to go as fast as you possibly can it says he ran up and he heard him being the Ethiopian eunuch reading Isaiah the prophet and he said do you understand what you're reading and I love what the man says and he said well how could I unless someone guides me and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I love that he says, how can I unless somebody guides me? Philip jumps in the chariot, sits with him, and begins to explain the scriptures, the words of the prophet, the explanation of the Savior Jesus to this man. Big deal. As he's explaining that, watch this, as he's telling him about the Savior, later in the story, if you continue reading, the Ethiopian eunuch gives his life to Jesus, asks Jesus' perfect sacrifice to cover his imperfect sinful life and to hide him in the life of Jesus, and they find a body of water. And when they find the body of water, the eunuch says, stop the chariot, and Philip baptizes him right there just like Jesus in the Jordan River. 
And here's the beauty of it. Would that man, and we don't know the real answer to this, but would that man ever have trusted Jesus, gotten baptized, and given his life to the Lord that day if someone didn't care enough about his eternity to show and tell? If we don't show them, if we don't talk about it, if we don't show and tell, if we don't tell them who will when we have the hope of Jesus, maybe you're in here today and you have not made that decision yet and you have not given your life to Jesus and you have not asked for his sacrifice of his life to cover your life for eternity. You have not asked that. Today, I'm telling you at this point, take a step back. But if you have prayed that prayer, and I'm not saying we came up and we prayed and we turned around and we walked home and it, you know, it was over and I, once saved, always says I can do whatever I want to do. I'm talking about people that go, Jesus, I need you to replace my life. Not just change my circumstance, but make me a new creation in you. Like from this day forward, I ain't going to get it right, but I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to give you all that I have. And I'm going to be all that I can with you and through you and for you. I'm talking about those people. If we have the hope of Jesus, we cannot hold it to ourselves and hope somebody else reaches everybody that we know. We can't do it. Because it's our responsibility, it's our job, the first thing they tell him. The women at the tomb, go and tell. Let's be like the women at the tomb, go and tell. Let's be like Philip, go and tell. Be a part of life change in people's lives because we can't hold hope while everybody else looks for it. Let's give it. And I love uh, uh, the part in Isaiah Sorry, Acts 8, 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, here's another thought, the Spirit empowers us to point people to Jesus. Because maybe you're sitting out there and, you know, your life has changed and all this stuff, but you're like, I'm an introvert, Pastor Brandon. I, I'm, I'm an intro, introvert. I don't, I don't, I'm not good at that stuff. I'm not great at that stuff. I, I don't even know what to say half the time. Like, when I talk, I'm that awkward person that makes conversations weird. Come on. And like all this stuff, like I, what do I do? How, do? how does this happen? Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 gives us an idea of what happens whenever we give our life to Jesus. It says this, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Watch this. So that, I love those two words whenever I see them in scripture. Because it means what happened first before that phrase happened because what's about to happen next is going to happen. So that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I tell people about Jesus? How do I show that? How do, I'm awkward. How do I tell that? I don't even know it all myself. I, I, I'm glad you asked because when the, Paul teaches us that when we give our lives to Christ, we become filled with the Holy Spirit. And now the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit take root. And as we grow with him, those things grow and they begin to reach people and make a difference in life. And here's that word abound in there where it says we abound in power and we abound in grace, here's what it means. To carry more than you can currently handle. I wanted, at the initial part of this message, I wanted to give everybody a super full cup of water when you walked in and, and, and tell you, don't put it down. Don't drink it, just carry it. 
And what if I'd have done that? You know, we got hundreds of people in the room today and we'll have hundreds throughout campuses today. What, what, what if I'd have done that, gave you a super full cup of water and you'd have bumped into people and started jumping during worship and even singing too hard? If you're anything like me, like I get fired up in worship, right? And like, I don't clap on beat, but I can sing off key. <laughs> what, what would happen when somebody bumps into you and you're holding that cup of water? It's okay to respond. What, what would happen? It would spill. Why? Because you're abounding in water. Here's what he says. I want you to abound in the hope of God by the power of the Holy Spirit so much that when somebody bumps into you and you're having a bad day, you still spill out the power of God. Then when somebody cuts you off in traffic, that you're so abounding in the love of God and the hope of God, you still spill out that little bit of hope and that spirit in your life. Like you may not be the most pleasant person around, but you'll spill out God's love and you'll spill out God's power. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit is what gets us there. Because I can tell you this, you can get eight hours of sleep last night and still be in a bad mood today. That should be real, right? If you're anything like me, right? College football does that to you. But anyway, you keep going. And what happens is when you're abounding in the right, let me put it this way. What you're abounding in will spill out of you. So you can tell by what spills out when you're bumped what you're actually abounding in. In fact, in John chapter 16 and verse 7, it's said like this. It is, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and then he has got to go and sit at the right hand of the Father. And, and he says it this way. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away... The helper, being the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Here's what I'm here to tell you today, is that the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap on a lot of things, but the truth is the Holy Spirit is there to help and empower us to point people to Jesus. Because you can't do it on your own. In fact, if you do it on your own, can I tell you the best that you'll ever point somebody to is an idea of a good person. But you could never on your own point them to the supernatural love of Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because we don't even fully understand it within our flesh. It's only the spirit that rises up inside of us that helps us understand that and point to people, which calls me to the next point and, and, and causes me to like think because the Holy Spirit really levels the playing field, right? The Holy Spirit is like the NIL of college football. It just leveled the playing field. And here's the truth. We can all share hope. Everybody in the room today can share hope. Everybody watching later on this week can share hope. Everybody at our Florence campus today can share hope. And how can you say that so boldly? You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the thoughts I've thought this week and the struggles that I've had this week. And you don't know what I've been through and what I've done. And you don't know all that about me. You're absolutely right. And the truth is, is it'd probably freak me out if I did. But it'd freak you out if you knew my struggles too. How can I say that? Because there's not a person in the room that doesn't have a struggle. And there's not a person, I don't care if you've been saved 80 years and you gave your life to Christ when you were two years old and you've been speaking in tongues since you were four. I don't care if you wrote 17 worship songs in your life. Everybody's got a journey. Everybody's got an issue. Everybody's got something you got to deal with. And the Bible teaches me that when I've given my life to Christ, that the old things about me have passed away. They've died, they've been buried, they've been put in a tomb, with, they've been put in a casket with dirt thrown over it, and the reality is it's gone, but all things become new. Why? Because my life is not, is not just like a part of his, my life is hidden in his. And now I have become 
new. I, I love the fact that no matter where we are, you don't have to have the most, you don't have to be the best, and you don't have to be the most knowledgeable. You just have to be the most obedient for your life. Hey, God, when you tell me to go, I'll go. What did, what did, verse 29, what did he tell Philip? The Holy Spirit said, go. He just had to be obedient. I love, actually, if we go back to Matthew 28, to the original story, and the angel looks at the women. He looks at a group of women, and he goes, hey, go back, because you came to encounter Jesus here, but he's not here. You came to see a dead man, but I'm going to tell you where you can go to experience a risen Savior. And he told women to go tell people. And why is that important? If you're not careful, you may hear my tone and go, that's a misogynistic joker right there. Like, he doesn't believe in women and all this other. No, 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 no. You got to understand in culture, when this was written, women had no value. Except the amount of value to the man they were connected with. But God has this way of flipping culture and society on its head. He has an, a way of flipping things that are not actually kingdom-minded and going, you know what? Nah. And he goes, I'm going to tell women. I'm going to give them the first instruction to go tell people. I'm going to give them. Why? Because what everybody else seems as invaluable, I see as valuable. And here's what I want you to know. And here's what I want you to see today. I know you've got a journey. And I know you've got a past. And I know you've got a thing you're working through. And I know you've got all those things. But I need you to know that if you've got the hope of Jesus, then you've got the testimony of Jesus. If you've got the hope of Jesus, then you've got eternal life with God. If you've got the hope of Jesus in your life, then you've got a story to show. And you've got a story to tell. And it don't matter who you are or where you've been. When he saved your soul, he set you on a path of redemption and grace and love and mercy and it is life changing for you and everybody you will encounter we can all share hope no matter what we've been through no matter where you've gone we can all share hope and maybe today Maybe today, as you sit here and, 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 and you've been, experienced some amazing songs of worship and you've heard a message and, and, and you've met some great people and you're going to walk out of here in just a few minutes and you're going to get your first time guest gift and you're going to meet some more great people and we're going to celebrate baptisms. But you're going, man, there's just this emptiness. I've been looking everywhere for hope and I'm still empty like I've looked everywhere everybody's told me to go and it's not there and to use an old preacher phrase it's because you have a God-sized hole in your life that nothing else can ever fill and it's only the hope and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that can do that and so today before you we move forward I have to give the opportunity for people in the room to go I need that first I need the hope of eternal security in Jesus Christ, my Savior, before anything else. Like, I want to go and tell, but before I can go and tell, I can't give what I don't have. So let me give him my life. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer. And then right after we're done with praying, we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to celebrate and sing one more song. And then we're going to celebrate some baptisms. But if everybody around the room would just bow your heads for me for just a moment. And our teams are going to get ready to serve you. Our worship team's going to get ready and our connect team's going to get ready. So just ignore any noise you hear, just you and God in this moment. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I just want to ask you, 
pray this prayer with me right where you are to yourself. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask that you forgive my past, forgive my present, and redeem my future. I've been searching for hope in all the wrong places and all the wrong ways. And I ask that you become my hope today. Thank you for giving your perfect life so that this imperfect person could have eternal life with God our Father. God, thank you for making room for me in the family of God today. And I pray that you would be with me from this day forward. That as I get it wrong, you would help me get it right. As I live for you, and not just a moment, but a lifestyle with you. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, the Bible says that if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Lord, I will be saved, which means my life is now hidden in Christ and eternity is my home. Eternal security with God our Father is my home. And that starts today. And if you sat in this room and you prayed that prayer right now, can I just ask you to let me know who prayed that with me and said, I gave my life to Jesus today and asked for that forgiveness. All you have to do is raise your hand right where you are. Just raise it high so we can see it. And just go right here. I prayed that prayer. I gave my life to Jesus today. And all that's going to happen is a clipboard's going to slip in your hand. Hold it up high. Clipboard's going to slip in your hand. Here's why. We take our values very seriously at Radiate. And we say it like this. We do life together. I don't want you to figure it out by yourself. I don't want you to stumble through life with nobody there. I want to pray with you. I want to give you some resources. I want to walk it out with you. If you pray that prayer, just hold it up real, real high. And say, yeah, right here. Amen. All I'm going to ask you to do is before the end of the day, just take that, that, that card filled out by the, corner in the, uh, by the care corner in the back of the auditorium today. God, I thank you for life change. I thank you for who you are. And today we celebrate. Help us go and show and tell. Help us make a difference with our lives and change the world. We celebrate life change. We celebrate baptism. We celebrate the love of a father that never leaves us and never forsakes us. In your name we pray.